Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sharing Everything. We are your hosts, Joe. Katie. And our last name is Blackie because we're married. Yay! And we like making each other watch movies that we like. Katie. Yes. It was my turn this week to pick the movie. It sure was. What movie did I pick? Ava's Possessions. What's it about? Well, it's about this woman named Ava. Yep. Who was possessed. Mm Mm-hmm. By a demon. Mm. Yes. That's not very nice. No. I don't think she consented to that. I don't think so either. Mm. Did well, you want me to go into more detail? Yeah, like what what happens in the movie? Okay, well, let's see. So the movie starts with her, like, uh, what is that word? When the priest comes? Being exercised. Yeah, she's being exercised at the beginning. She's not exercising, she's being exercised. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Then she has a very awkward family dinner um, when she's out of her demon possessionness. And then she meets with her lawyer who tells her she has basically three choices. She can either go to jail for all the crap that she did while she was possessed, Mm -hmm. which turned out to be a lot of really terrible things. Mm -hmm. Um, She could go live in some sort of like mental institution or she could go to basically what was Alcoholics Anonymous for people who have been possessed. Yeah. Possessed. Did I say that right? Possessed. 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 I feel like I said something different. Do you? Yeah. Huh. Um, so she picks going to the uh, possessed anonymous meetings um, and she meets some people there. She has been told that her journey in this pl- in this community will be finding out it's not finding out what made her become possessed it was more trying to come to terms and make amends for who she hurt and what she did while she was possessed yeah and and yeah keeping her from getting possessed again yeah yeah they did some sort of like exercises to try and become stronger than the demon should they try to possess them again Mm um and so she sort of goes through the 100 deeds for eddie mcdowd kind of thing do you remember that? I don't think I saw that movie. It was a show, I think. Okay. Um. Anyways, that's not important. It's, I guess, sort of like, I haven't seen it, but like, My Name is Earl, too. Where they sort of... Oh, he's got to go and, and undo all the things. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, she sort of learns about the bad things she did. She slept with her sister's fiance and a prostitute at the same time. She mm-hmm. slept with her friend's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, she bit a pimp's ear off. Mm-hmm. She bit a doctor's finger off. Mm-hmm. She jumped and bashed a mechanic's head into an ATM. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's probably other things. Yeah. Um, she did lots of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so she broke up with her boyfriend. Yep. Um, she meets this girl named Hazel and demon possessed anonymous and um hazel had sort of a different well not really different like relationship with her demon wherein she enjoyed being possessed um but she was possessed by an evil person or evil being Mm -hmm. um and so hazel asks ava to help her summon her demon back because she thought that that was really cool and she wanted to be possessed again um so ava helps 
Hazel get her demon back and then Hazel runs amok and causes all these issues. Um, there's sort of a subplot where she has a thing with some gallery owner's son and it turns out that the gallery owner is somebody who tried to kill Ava while she was He's possessed. He's a hitman. Yeah. And she actually ended up killing him. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie kind of ends with her um, realizing that her that the person she slept with with the prostitute was her sister's fiance. Mm-hmm. Um, she kills him. Um, right? Doesn't she kill him? I'm pretty sure she kills him. Or maybe she just hurts him. Either way, the sister breaks up with him and says, you should move in with me because I have so much more room now. Oh, she doesn't kill him. She just gets it on camera, him saying Uh that he killed her when... Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, And then, in that little scene there, we see that Ava's sister, who I think is named Jillian, has the mark that... The type of mark that Ava got when she summoned Hazel's demon back. Mm -hmm. So one can assume... That Jillian was up to no good and sort of had a part in this. Mm-hmm. Um, then the movie ends with Ava going back to the demon anonymous place and sort of becoming like a right hand gal. Yeah, she for, gets the job. Yeah, for Tony, who was the, I guess, the facilitator of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ava starts getting her little headaches with the drumming demon guy, which. I think means he's trying to possess her again. Mm-hmm. Um, knocks over, conven- conveniently knocks over the exact file box that had her mom's file in it. <gasps> and we learn that he, uh, Ava's mom was once possessed by a demon as well. And then the movie ends with Ava screaming when a demon something comes into the room. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. Ooh. Mm-hmm. There we go. So what'd you think about the movie, Katie? Well, Joe, um, I liked it. Yeah. Um, I will say that this is the only possession movie I've ever seen. Really? Yep. I've oh. never seen a possession Oops. movie. So cock that one up. <laughs> so it wasn't what I was expecting. Um, but I did enjoy it. There, it, there were some parts where I was kind of like, "This is kind of boring," but mm-hmm. um, overall, I enjoyed it. I have a feeling it's not at all like normal possession movies. No. <laughs> there were some cool, like, um, things that I noticed, like, stuff with colors and stuff like that. So, there were interesting pieces. I will say that at the beginning of the movie, it totally gave me a Lifetime vibe. Really? Yeah. Um, because of the, like, uh, exorcism montage thing? Or, it was like, awkward more family so, dinner? I think it was perhaps how it looked Mm -hmm. and also okay maybe let me back up a little bit i feel like in this version of the world it's not like unknown that people get possessed by demons like everybody just kind of seemed cool with it yeah, it, it it definitely wasn't like a wacky, like, what? You were yeah. possessed by a demon? Like, everyone knew that demon possession was a thing yeah, that could they, happen. They mentioned in the lawyer's office that the SPA, the Spirit Possessed mm-hmm. Anonymous group, was founded in 1982. Oh, okay. Um, in a, With the government in association with the Catholic Church. So, it's, it's a thing. Mm-hmm. 
and um, obviously it's not an accepted enough thing that people can just write off well, well they were possessed mm-hmm. um, but I mean there's a support group for it and no one's trying to keep anything serious and right. she ex- is explaining a lot of things away to people she just met with well I was possessed right um, so I think that might have had a part in why I feel like it was lifetimey mm-hmm. um because i don't know how many of those movies i've sub- subjected you to zero Goose egg. oh man Except for, no that was abc family man okay so you know we have a podcast about watching movies that we like yeah so it's gonna be a lot of lifetime movies coming <laughs> up isn't it yeah i'm a Ugh. fan of lifetime movies which i guess is a good thing for me feeling like this movie felt like one um and the whole thing didn't. There are just parts of it where it's like, wow, that was a really lifetimey thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it being sort of like a like a weird version of the world kind of thing. Yeah. Where it made it not surprising that something like this happened. Mm-hmm. I feel like that sort of played into it because like some of these lifetime movies, like it's like, yeah, this teacher sleeps with all the students and nobody's surprised kind of thing. Oh, okay. So sure. it's not on the same level, it's, it's, but it's, it's like it's the um Oh, uh, what what should you call it? Like boring melodrama. Yeah, we had yeah. a conversation about that earlier today. Yeah, about boring melodrama sure in, did. in real life. <laughs> yeah, that would be an interesting. No, it wouldn't. It would be a boring lifetime movie. Um. Anyway, so there were. Yeah. Overall, I enjoyed this movie. I feel like I will probably not want to watch a real standard possession movie that's not really my thing so i kind of liked that this was more after the fact like dealing with it instead Mm -hmm. of being in the thick of oh man her head's spinning around yeah 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 so so i I didn't know that you hadn't watched like the exorcist or Mm -hmm. or even any of like the the sort of trashy possession movies that have been the thing for the past couple of years in in horror that's interesting to me, but yeah, a lot of a lot of the possession movies that I have seen are kind of the same, or are, are, are the the prequel to what this movie is, mm-hmm. where it's like the, oh my god, what's happening? Yeah, I heard a thing in the room. I run up to the room, nothing's happening. I turn away or around, and then I turn back, and there's a thing on the thing, and rah, <laughs> ah! Um, so, so yeah, like that's one of the reasons why I like the movie mm-hmm. is is it took, um. It's it's sort of sort of Lynchian in a way. Yeah. Da- David Lynch does this thing where he he doesn't take the bizarre and make it mundane. He just takes the bizarre and puts it next to the mundane. Mm-hmm. Um, David Foster Wallace has like an essay about what ma- makes something Lynchian, hmm. like like Jeffrey Dahmer having someone's head in his refrigerator ne- right next to like a leftover sandwich. Like that's Lynchian. Yeah. Um, and this is sort of Lynchian in the way that like. It's like The Exorcist meets Girls, the TV show Girls, mm-hmm. which which I've never seen. Um, so so instead of being called mm-hmm. out for not seeing Girls and comparing it to Girls, it's like The Exorcist mixed with Tiny Furniture. It's like Lena Dunham decided to make a supernatural movie, where like especially the scene where she's talking to her friends, where they're like they're all they're dressed in stupid millennial hipster Goodwill mm-hmm. clothes, and they're like, yeah, you were kind of a slut when you were possessed, like. Yeah. Just this boring, like, you can tell that none of these people really work or have real jobs. Like, her job is, like, she's uh, an agent for bands. Mm-hmm. I thought, like, I kept getting the don't trust the bee in apartment 23 vibe, actually. Yeah. Like, that like that culture of people, yeah. not, like, the tone or anything. I think it's the same. This I think we're talking about the same thing. Yeah. Just that, like, 
I'm in my late 20s and yeah. I don't know what to do in my life. Mm-hmm. And you're like, get a goddamn job. <laughs> get a real job. Um, I also, the lighting I really liked. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of magenta mm-hmm. and yellow and, and cyan in this movie. Um, And sometimes the cyan was just blue. Yeah. Um, I really, really liked that. So a lot of movies, and I don't know if we've talked about this before, um, but... You, I think, at least saw there is an episode of Best of the Worst where they talk about how everything is orange and yeah. and cyan mm-hmm. now, um, because it makes skin tones look richer and it makes things more futuristic and just like. Also, it's easy because um, lights that you use for lighting for film go on a spectrum from blue to orange, mm-hmm. um, and so. That's just sort of how everything gets lit um, because it looks better. Because if you use just like regular light bulbs like we have in our room, everyone's going to look pasty. Yeah. It's the same reason why you put makeup on mm-hmm. when you go on stage for a play because otherwise you look pasty and dead. Yeah. Um, and that's because of all the lights that are shining on you. But what these people did is they just put party gels over all their lights. So there was lots of blue. There was lots of yellow. There's lots of pink or magenta, um, which was interesting to me. And... Kind of, I guess it just helped, like, make it feel like it was like an alternate reality, just sort of like a, a slightly left of center Earth where everything's the same except for this uh, thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Um, I really liked the music. I liked the music too. There were some. I feel like also that like the some of the like ambient music mm-hmm. is what made me feel like it was a lifetime movie also though mm. it was like i feel like there's music in the background like all the time yeah it was it, and this is because the guy who wrote and directed this has more soundtrack credits oh, credits really? than direction credits okay yeah this is like the second or third feature length movie he's Mm. directed and he has like 18 soundtrack credits oh wow so it's kind of like the director of the witch who like he's been in the industry Mm -hmm. and he's got a job and he's probably good at that job but what he really wants to do is is be in charge of movies and so he's been working his way up yeah um he also did alter egos some superhero movie and some weird shakespeare supernatural comedy looking type movie thing and the name i just read and can't remember it so you probably haven't seen it probably not um why do you think i had you watch the movie um <laughs> as we were watching it, i said this is a very joe movie um you must have said that in your head i did okay um i like it sort of gave me the same kind of vibe as like it follows or drive or any of those type of movies where we've talked about this before i think where it's not like surreal it's just sort of like i guess lynchian is what i would say yeah there's so so there's this tightrope that you can walk Mm -hmm. right in in art Mm -hmm. uh specifically i think in movies or or books but probably even more movies than books where you're like wait a minute why aren't there police here now and you're like oh it's, it's a movie yeah. Don't don't worry. It's a movie, and a lot of bad movies do this really badly. A lot of superhero movies and stuff, where you're like, didn't did Superman just destroy the entire city, and people are still asking? If, it's a movie. He's Superman. It's fine. It's a movie. Um, 
but but yeah some sometimes movies are less about portraying real life and more about portraying messages or emotions yeah like it follows is a movie about dread mm-hmm. i've talked about this ad nauseum on on other episodes of this show but it's it's not a movie like i see youtube videos all the time there's like a thousand of them now they're like here's 14 ways you could actually beat the it follows monster in real life mm-hmm. or even talking with my friends after seeing the movie they're like yeah i would just go to a different continent because the thing would have to like walk across the ocean um so i could probably just hang out for a while yeah you know or i would live on a boat and you're like okay but that's that's not the point of the movie the point of the movie isn't like breaking the code you know the point of the movie is this is fucking scary yeah um whereas with ava's possessions it's it's a movie about topics that are covered in in movies like tiny furniture and stuff um that sort of like mumblecore thing um as well as like real issues they just use uh horror comedy as the setting for it so like this is a movie about like recovering from rape and having PTSD or recovering from addiction mm-hmm. or unhealthy relationships and getting over that it's just quirky and fun and not super depressing yeah um did you think of that at all while you were watching like um to be honest to me it, it didn't really feel like it had any sort of message mm-hmm really like rooted in real life i sort of just looked at it more as like a hey we want to do a possession movie but we want to do it differently than anyone's ever done it so it didn't feel like it was like some sort of commentary on any of those things but now that you say it i can see how it would be um but like in the moment of watching the movie like i actually did find myself thinking but like why do i care but I still did end up enjoying the movie, mm-hmm. so I guess it didn't matter all that much. But, um, yeah, I sort of just saw it more as a, like, it wasn't veiled over anything. This is just, you're getting a mm-hmm. post-possession movie. This is what it is. Yeah, so that's what I thought the first time I saw it, too. And now that this is my second viewing, I my brain had to, had to work a little harder to keep me as interested mm-hmm. in it. Especially since the first time I watched it, I think I was probably doing something else. Yeah. I was probably at work. Mm-hmm. Um, so my experience watching it was all broken up and I was probably playing a game on my phone. But this time we, for this show, we tend to watch the movies like we're watching it in a theater where there's yeah. no phones or anything else. We did stop once to make sandwiches, but that was it. But um, So my brain had to work a little bit harder to keep myself interested because the movie does move a little slow. Mm-hmm. And the music is very dreamy. So it made me very relaxed. And even in the last like five minutes, I was nodding off a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, so, but it's one of those things that like you could make a video essay about it where you're like, when she has the flashback or when she like when the camera cuts to the guy beating on the drums, the demon beating on the drums, showing that he's coming back for her. That's like having a PTSD flashback. Yeah. Um, and the fact that like she had it was a female who had somebody else inside of her. Yeah. And she didn't remember it like, oh, that's day rape. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that her friends were like, oh, yeah, no, like we totally support you, but we are totally alienated from you now because you had this experience that we don't understand and yeah. makes us uncomfortable to think about. So we're not going to try to understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like the Hazel character was interesting. Like that's that's an addicted person who is in AA 
because their family made them go to AA and not because they hit rock bottom, which is an interesting thing when you put it in the context of like a demon possession, because Mm -hmm. like they're with a demon possession, there is no hitting rock bottom. Like your family finds out you're depressed and they call the priest, you know, Mm -hmm. and the priest comes and, and you get exercised. And sometimes it takes a while. And sometimes you have a month where you do a lot of stuff, but like, all of the different people that talk about their experiences in the movie sounds like they weren't possessed for a very long time. So this isn't like a thing where you lose years of your life, like say drug addiction Mm -hmm. or alcoholism, but it is something that like you don't necessarily bottom out out of. So if you have sort of like an empty life, like a lot of these millennial kids in the movie kind of are having, Mm -hmm. um, like this is the most exciting thing that's ever happened to you. So like the Hazel character makes a lot of sense where she's like, I had like a connection with someone for the first time. And even though there's not a lot of like phone and internet and stuff, like that's still kind of this commentary of like Stockholm syndrome and, mm. and stuff like that. So it's interesting. And the, and the thing that I liked about it when I was looking at it from this lens doesn't necessarily make a comment on it. Mm-hmm. It's just drawing parallels to it. So it is allowing me to, to form my own conclusions or at least think about an existing problem in a different way from a different lens. Um, the thing I don't like about movies generally that focus on addiction or whatever um, is that they're such downers mm-hmm. and it's it's so very like obviously like this is the rape is bad movie. So we have the, the main character girl and she gets raped and the movie is about her dealing with being raped. Um, and and for me as a viewer, there's not a lot I can glean from that aside from don't rape people. If you get raped, it's going to suck. And if you know someone who has been raped, you should be supportive of them, which are things that like I kind of feel like I should know already as a person with who without sociopathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I like the kind of movies where it's not... Um like you can draw those parallels but it they're not being like shoved in your face like hey this means this and this means this and you should do this because you remember from this movie that this means this mm-hmm. i also liked how how the symbolism is kind of on the nose i mean they even say it's demon aa yeah she's going to alcoholics anonymous or whatever she's yeah. going to a support group for the thing that happened to her um it is on the nose um, but it's, it's it, it manages to not be annoying about it, mm-hmm. I think. Like, I mean, the fact that you didn't even really consciously think about it, yeah. like, as a movie that this is about, blah, that's interesting. So, another thing I can, I can ask you about is the genre in general. Mm-hmm. Um, even broader than possession movies, the, the, the movie genre of horror comedy. Okay. What do you think about horror comedy? I love it. All right. Name good horror comedy movies. I don't know if I can name a good horror comedy movie, but Scream Queens. Oh, the show. Yeah. Okay. That's a good one. I really enjoy that because it takes the tropes Mm -hmm. and it's like, yeah, we know this is a trope, but we're still going to use it. And it's super funny. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that a lot. Um, I guess I would say other horror comedy things. Um, maybe that movie that we watched, um, Freaks of Nature. Oh, yeah. I'm not definitely. sure. If, no, that would be horror, I think. Yeah. It was, oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And it was definitely comedy, too. That was, that was a good unexpected movie. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I thought 
I have come to realize that I really like that convention where you're in a society where you can be possessed by demons and everyone knows it, or you might be a vampire and everyone knows it, but it's fine. Mm -hmm. Like, I really enjoy that. I think it's sort of like refreshing because so many movies and shows and books focus on this person is different and they have to keep it a secret. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like it when things are all out in the open like that. Um, But I think the reason I enjoy horror comedy is because, well, just at the smallest level, I really enjoy comedy and I really enjoy horror. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also like it when horror movies don't take themselves too seriously, mm-hmm. which they all do. So mm-hmm. I think it takes the comedy part of horror comedy to make it more effective where it's not just a cheese fest or mm-hmm. look at me, I'm making a really pretentious horror movie. Now be scared kind yeah, of thing. Sure. Horrors, horror is really easy to make and really hard to make good. Same thing with comedy. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. It, I really like it too. There's a movie called The Frighteners, which I should have you watch for this, uh, which has, um, I can't think of his name, Marty McFly, Michael J. Fox. Michael, Hello. Michael J. Fro- Fox. I wanted to say Matthew McConaughey. I wanted to say Matthew <laughs> Broderick. <laughs> you were wrong on all counts. I wanted to think of. I was thinking of all these M names, not the right one. So Marty McFly, Michael J. Fox is. I don't even remember what the premise of the movie is anymore, but it's like two hours long. And it's a horror comedy thing where okay. like he either dies or he's like a ghost detective, mm-hmm. like people who get murdered, hire him like they're ghosts or something. Okay. If that's not the plot of the movie, it should be the plot of a movie, <laughs> but like Ghostbusters, it's horror comedy. Yeah, that's true. Um, Shaun of the Dead is probably the most oh, notable horror yeah, comedy. I've seen that with you. Um, but to your point of like this person's a vampire and it's okay and they're different and they're okay Mm -hmm. um oh what's the movie with nick nolte is it nick nolte or nicholas holt is it nicholas holt and and blonde christian christian stewart girl where the zombie falls in love with the real girl warm bodies warm bodies i've never seen it really you weren't there when when we watched that nope um in sophomore year okay Mm -hmm. I guess that's like horror romance. Yeah. Paranormal romance is a thing. That's a big thing in YA, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but so the big thing about zombie movies originally was that they were social commentary, right? Like yeah. zombies were like this other. And uh, yeah, you're, you're really being good to the that chord there. Sorry. That's okay. That, that's uh, another thing I can put on my Christmas list, I guess, if you break it. I fixed it. Um Where's where like the zombies are the other right? And mm-hmm. It's talking about like hordes of people, and in 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 horror, in general, you have that a lot. Uh, turns out H.P. Lovecraft, uh, who who's writing I, an aesthetic I really loved in high school. Turns out he was just really racist. Was he? And um oh yeah, so all of his uh, why why all that like Arkham Asylum board game stuff it focuses on like insanity and madness is this idea that something strange is coming to your civilized Mm. place and making you go crazy because of it. So, Mm. like, jazz. Yeah. Or reefer cigarettes. Or gasp black folks. Um, A lot of of H.P. Lovecraft's writing was, like, kind of was was allegory to that, where, like, we live in civilized American society and 
now all these people of color are coming and well now i feel bad for getting you a collection of his books for your birthday yeah yeah well i mean that's the thing is is He's not making any money off of it anymore. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm, true. I'm pretty sure that those Barnes and Noble big leather-bound things, pretty much all of those are like public domain. Oh, I'm sure. And the reason why they're selling them for twenty bucks and these big elaborate color-bound things is so they can make twenty dollars off of it, mm-hmm. which is fine. Also, you can enjoy media while still acknowledging that you don't agree with it. Yes, that's that true. That doesn't make me any less of a of a good-hearted liberal millennial. Yes. <laughs> um. But you can do that even better in um, horror comedy where like, oh, this person's a vampire. Like it's almost it's almost like the allegory to like different sexual identities mm-hmm. because like, well, the vampires all hook up with the vampires. Yeah. Wink, wink. Like, oh, yeah, you you as a human wouldn't want to hook up with a vampire because they're they got a different thing going on. Um, this is an audio podcast, but I was <laughs> winking the entire time I said that. <laughs> Um, uh, I was wondering, were we supposed to be surprised at the ending that the mom had been possessed by a demon? Because I was not. Mm, no. So they were pretty heavy handed with that. There, there, some of my biggest complaints about this movie and, and you might agree are that it definitely feels like the person who is writing this has a really great mind and a really cool, unique style, but isn't the best writer in the world. Yeah. Um, where he's trying to do these things, like he's trying to open up all these threads and have them tie together at the end, like a really clever movie has. Um, but instead, the threads are either not well established enough or too well established. So the not well established enough is the whole like Conrad the Hitman thing. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah, those those are don't flip those switches. I didn't need to. <laughs> Oh, my God. Um, and then the mom having been possessed where she's like, oh, my God, who would have thought our family was this uh, could be possessed this easily? Yeah. Eh. And then earlier when she came to the apartment and she said, how do you know what I'm going through? And she said, I just know. Yeah. A mother just knows. Yeah. Ugh. But then I was wondering, like, it's pretty obvious that the sister had something to do with Ava being possessed. But, like, did she have anything to do with the mom being possessed? I thought she had more to do with the mom being being possessed than Ava being possessed. Yeah. I'm thinking so. Because during all the flashbacks where they're reminding you of things that happened earlier in the movie so that you're not, mm-hmm. you don't say, hey, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, the, the sister says, or we're reminded that the sister says, mom has her own issues and they, they don't apply to you even yeah. though she thinks that they do. Um... So I'm still confused, even after my second viewing, if someone made Ava possessed or if she just had gotten possessed. I feel like I feel like the sister had something to do with it. Okay. It didn't seem like their relationship was that great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I just sort of got that vibe from her. Um, but what I want to know is... Can somebody conjuring the demon through the black magic or whatever, can they wish the conjure the demon to anybody or does it have to be somebody who's previously possessed? That's what I want to know. I think it's easier to do it with someone who's been previously possessed, but you can at least try to do it with anybody. 
Mm, okay. Um, they do mention that genetics might have a thing to do with it, so mm-hmm. because of the twins, so maybe that's something. So this is where horror movies tend to break down, right? Yeah. Is when we have to spend too much time parsing what the rules are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I wonder if this movie needed to be as much of a mystery as it was. Like, I liked the idea of her, like, going back and, like, essentially doing what they do in the hangover where, where she's like man i don't remember the last month mm-hmm. that sure was a wild possession what happened yeah um i dig that because there were some interesting things there were some things that were sort of unrelated like as she just went on a rampage down the street and kissed some dude and then smashed his head into an atm mm-hmm. um but I, I don't know if there needed to be that little bit in the third act where it's like wait i don't think so I think it would have been more successful and more original if they hadn't played it like that. Yeah. I think that they need to give the audience some credit that we're going to figure it out and you don't have to try so hard to make it mysterious. Yeah, I I can I can see that. I can I can dig on that pretty good. Um I'm on the Wikipedia. I'm trying to see do, 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 do. Let's see. Wikipedia. Wikipedia. This is our Wikipedia song. Ava's recaptured and put in a car with Roger, who is to take her to the asylum. However, instead, he is taking her to the facility. Roger. Oh, instead of taking her to the facility. Roger instead tries to kiss her and reveals that he murdered the prostitute in order to keep her from telling anyone that he'd visited her. She then discovers that while she did kill Ben's father, he was only in the apartment because he was a hitman that Roger had hired to murder her as Ava had seen Roger with the prostitute and then joined the two of them in the sexual encounter. Roger drives Ava to Tony's now empty classroom where he forces her to put on the necklace to bring back the demon. As he believes the two of them had a connection and confesses his crimes in front of the facility's security cameras. A necklace is successful in bringing back the demon. However, Ava is able to control the demon and uses its abilities to capture Roger. She then rips the necklace off, showing that she has complete control. So, okay. That... So that's that's why I don't necessarily think that the sister had anything to do with her getting possessed, because it ended up leading to um her fiance having sex with her no but that makes me wonder then when they come when roger and jillian come to ava's apartment somewhere in the middle of the movie Mm -hmm. she passes out and they put her in bed and then she wakes up and hears roger saying um something like i did what i did she'll know what i did or something like so that means the sister knows that he did some of that okay so she has to be complicit somewhere i don't know for what reason or to what extent but she knows that roger did something sloppy writing sloppy writing this is the song for sloppy writing (laughs) uh that's fine whatever like i don't know i don't want to think about it too hard the reasons i like the movie are one it it was a cool idea it had cool lighting and i like the music like those are the big three um the the minutiae of the story uh are the reasons why i gave it four stars and not five yeah um the minutiae of the story distracted me and and to be honest i didn't 
remember a whole lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, this time I enjoyed it more for sort of social commentary and, and less so for the the whole mystery of it. Yeah. Uh, which is fine. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I feel like a movie is allowed to do that where it's allowed to try to do a lot of different things. And as long as it achieves Something. you know, three out of the four, it's still pretty good. Mm-hmm. I'd say so. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of character actors in this movie. There sure were. That, that we had seen. Want to list them off? Yes. Um, I don't know if I know all of the actors' names, I, but I can tell you what they're from. That's what so, all anyone would be able to associate The lawyer is Jacob from Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And that was amazing to me because we just saw that movie and I loved him in that movie. Um, yeah, so, he's really good. He's so good. So that was really cool Dan to see Fogler. him. Dan Fogler. Dan Fogler. Yeah, it was really cool to see him in that sort of role. It was much more serious. Um, oh my God, he was the lead in Balls of Fury. Was he? What? Yes. Wow. He was the lead in Balls of Fury, which has a 38 Metascore on IMDb. Wow. I like that movie. Um, there was also um, um, one of the uh, one of the head honchos at in um, Orange is the New Black, the lady. I can't think of her name. In Alyssa that show. Reiner. Yeah. Who she, in Orange is the New Black was Natalia Figueroa. Yeah. Figueroa, right? Figueroa. Some, something like that. Yeah. She, Figueroa. Yeah, Figueroa. She was um, Noelle, the prostitute in this movie. Um, there was Carol Keene. She was the magic person in this movie. Um, she was in the Adams Family and she was in um, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt as the sort of crackhead roommate. Oh, she's also the ghost of Christmas past in Scrooge, which also has a 38 meta score. Oh, I haven't seen Scrooge. Um, oh my God, don't tell my dad. <laughs> um, and then I didn't recognize him, but once you said it, I did the doctor from... Um, Hemlock Grove. Hemlock Grove was the pimp in this Joel movie. Joel De La Fuente. Joel De La Fuente. I don't know why I keep thinking that he's Asian when he's probably Hispanic. I, I feel like he was supposed to play an Asian man in Hemlock Grove. I feel like he had an Asian name. Uh, he was Dr. Johansson or something. Oh, um, yeah, Johansson. Dr. Johan Price. Johan Price. Oh, okay. Then never mind. That was just Yeah, me. I don't know. Dude's ambiguous. He's 47. He's been in a lot of movies. He's great. I love him. Okay. Yeah, so there are a lot of... It was interesting to me because a lot of the... like minor people in this movie looked familiar but i have no idea who they were like the main girl mm-hmm. her face was so familiar but then i looked her up and i haven't seen her in anything. i feel like i went to high school with her she looks like one of the people we went to high school with yeah she has one of those familiar faces like the mom she looked familiar mm-hmm. oh i'm sure we've seen the mom let me find her thingy let me find her thingy deborah rush Deborah Rush. The name sounds familiar. She was in American Pie, American Wedding as Mary Flatterty. Mm. She was in The Box. She was in a bunch of movies. I haven't seen. She was also in Girls. See, that's the thing, too, is going through some of these other actresses, one of the friends of Ava is mm-hmm. actually in Girls and Tiny Furniture. Mm. Um, Alrighty, then. I feel like Hazel was in something, too. Let's look her up real quick and see if I know where she's from. Annabelle Dexter Jones. 
Her name is familiar. She was in Holly Motors. She was in Hashtag Horror. Did we see that one? No. No, that's not the one. That's the one we were told not to see because it's bad. Uh, she's in Asthma, which we haven't seen. Yeah, she's... Like, a lot of these girls look kind of familiar, and I think that's kind of the point with some of these actresses, like, at this point in their career, just trying to look like someone you would know. Yeah. But yeah, I haven't seen... Oh, she was in The Mend. Uh, Louisa Carrauza, who played um, the main girl, Ava. She was in The Mend, which I have seen, and is okay. But yeah, aside from that, she's not in anything that I have seen. She's in Blue Bloods for a while, an episode of Law and Order, another episode of Law and Order. She was in Taking Woodstock as Hippie Girl. But a lot of these people, like, yeah, she's on IMDb. She's listed as actress, camera, and electrical department, and soundtrack. So she probably, much like the other guy, just kind of broke into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, much the same way as the director. So, what else? Do you have anything else to say about this uh, about this movie? Um, I don't know. It was... I enjoyed it. I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Yeah. Um... It, I don't know. There were there were some good parts of it that I enjoyed. There were some that we've already discussed that sort of threw me off a little bit. Um, whenever I watch a movie, like I love like paying close attention to the relationships between the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this movie, you really didn't get a lot. Um, yeah. And what was there was sort of ambiguous. Like we have no idea really what the sister intended for her relationship with ava um the ava's relationship with her dad seemed okay but they had one line together where he sort of or one scene together where he like let her run away to go talk to the prostitute that's true it, it also seems like the mother was very controlling and and the father was sort of subservient to her we got some clues on that which is way overdone um yeah like i don't know like the I get, but I guess that was sort of the point where the relationship, she, all of her relationships sort of shattered once she got possessed. So that sort of, I guess, has a little to do with that. But overall, like, like to me, that's one of my favorite parts of movies and literature is relationships between people because that's sort of just life to me is how you relate to people. Sure. So it's also this podcast. Yeah. So. I wish that there had been more of that in this movie. Yeah, I can see that. I guess, I guess yeah, you, you sort of get away from that when the, your main character has a rather isolating experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, the people that she is meeting up with are, are also broken and damaged people. Mm-hmm. And the movie was less than an hour and a half long. Was it? It was an hour and 27 minutes. Oh, it felt kind of long It me. did feel kind of long because it's really slow-paced. Mm. Um so, yeah. I mean, it, see, that's the thing. It's one of those movies that I really like the idea and I really like how different it is. But the more we talk about it, the more mm-hmm. things I can find to pick apart kind of about apart, it. Yeah. But it has nothing to do with the style. No. At the same time, I don't even feel like this is a style over substance movie. Like, this is definitely not like one of those arty movies where it's like, man, they just made a movie to make art. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy just tried to make an inventive movie. Yeah. But he still wanted it to be like accessible yeah yeah which is okay and good like 
I like movies like this. Like this didn't show in any. It showed at a, a film festival and then was given direct to DVD. Oh, okay. So, you know, it's 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 an interesting thing that movies like this exist where they have all these character actors who have leads. Mm-hmm. Like, because this movie came out in 2015, so all of these other people were also doing things. Mm-hmm. All these character actors were also doing things. They were on Girls, they were on Hemlock Grove, and Orange is the New Black, and Kimmy Schmidt. They're all on Netflix shows, yeah. which... which is interesting and might have but like they were all these all these character actors that we noticed were in inventive things and successful things mm-hmm. which is weird to me that none of like the principal characters were people that we knew yeah um and haven't really seen or heard anything from since it's an interesting thing how casting works and mm-hmm. how being a character actor works mm-hmm. definitely so, want to get into some some survey questions? You betcha. Okay. Let's see. If you had to wear one outfit from this, I feel like I ask you this one every week. Okay, but you can ask me it. If you had to wear one outfit from this movie every day for an entire week, which one would it be? I hated literally every outfit the main girl wore in this movie. Yeah, she's very very hipstery. I hated it. It was so. Ugh. I just wanted to say. Can you go shop at a store, please, instead of pulling stuff out of a dumpster? Yeah, it, 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 she looked very much like, I'm going to repurpose all the clothes I find at Goodwill. Yeah, like, Yeah, she, and then with her job, I guess it was sort of supposed to be edgy, but mm-hmm. it was, uh, it was gross. Um, I guess I would pick, <sighs> no, there really wasn't any that I liked. I'm going to pick the super ugly bright yellow big bird jumpsuit that one of the friends was wearing at the beginning oh okay <laughs> that's funny um yeah there was one scene where she's talking on the phone to her ex-boyfriend mm-hmm. where she's wearing and her like boob is just hanging yeah, out she, she has she has like a, a dude's blue like button up. Fl- flannel button yeah. up and it's like just open and she yeah. has she has an orange bra on and I, i've lived with a woman for for some time now yes <laughs> granted your boobs and her boobs are, are two very different sets of boobs. Yes. Um, but I have never seen you ever do that. Like, I have seen you dress comfortably mm-hmm. for like, well, we're not going out today, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so my boobs are going to be handled in a different way than they're normally <laughs> handled. Uh, wink, wink, I guess. But, <laughs> like, yeah. Based on the conversations I've had with women about their breasts. Um... That's concerning. Um, it, it seems to me that if you are a woman and you are not planning on going out today... You don't wear a bra. Most of the time, you're not wearing a bra. I actually wanted to turn to you while that scene was on. And I'm like, why is she wearing a bra with her shirt open, lounging on her couch? Like, whenever I am at home lounging on my couch and I don't have plans, my bra is off. Your bra is off and you're wrapped in a blanket. Yeah, and I'm wearing a huge hoodie. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like... That's comfortable. There's nothing comfortable about wearing a lacy orange bra underneath a flannel shirt and then just letting it all hang out. There's yeah. nothing comfortable. And she about ha- that. she had a lot of very like high sh- high waisted shiny super tight pants. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of like the oversized t-shirts that she cut out, so you can always see that, that you're, she's wearing a bra. Yeah, there at the sides. end when she's in Tony's office and she's like going through the files, like. She's wearing a tank top, but, like, there's no back to the tank top. It's mm-hmm. just, like, bra straps. That's it. I'm like, why would you wear that with no sweater or jacket or anything? 
And that's the thing I've only ever seen in movies. I've never seen a woman do that no, in real life. I have never in my life. No. So during that scene where she's laying and we see her big orange bra. Yeah. I almost wanted to turn to you and be like, hey, this movie was directed by a man. Yeah. Because that's what men think or want or, women or, to or want look to like see, when they're at Right. Home. Yeah. So. But that's just not realistic, people. I'm which is, sorry. Again, is interesting to me because this movie isn't all that sexual. Like mm. there, there's one almost sex scene and, and there's talk about sex. But like the movie isn't presenting this character to you as like a sexy woman. Mm. Right. Um, there's there's not a lot of lingering shot aside from that one shot. There's not a lot of lingering shots on her body. Yeah, which is interesting to me. And we watched uh, the Edge of Seventeen the other day, which was directed by a woman mm-hmm. about another woman of pretty much the same shape with the same amount of interest in sex as as Ava had. Um, and that movie, I mentioned it to you, and and maybe I didn't make myself super clear, but there's one scene where she's like crawling, mm-hmm. right? She's crawling down the hallway. I think it's because in, in the edge of 17, she's crawling down the hallway and I think it's the, the morning after she gets really drunk, mm-hmm. right? And she, the camera gets to the point where you would almost see her butt, right? Crawling, mm-hmm. like she's crawling past the camera and then it cuts and it, the camera has swung around to her face. Mm-hmm. If that movie had been directed by a man, you would have seen her butt crawl down the hallway. Yes. Um, and there's like the scenes where they're in, she's in the pool with Erwin and there's a, a lot of like under the water. But the way that it's angled is you never get that like you're under her butt, right? Yeah, I think part of that difference, though, is that character is supposed to be a teenager. So We have seen a movie in which a 15-year-old girl has sex with a grown man. We have. And that was directed by the same girl who did American Honey, wherein Ugh. there was lots of sexualization of teenage girls. Okay, anyway... Do you have another survey? And that movie was also those that those two movies were also directed and written by a woman. I just want to point out. Do I have any other trivia questions? I sure do. My survey wonderful questions. wife. Survey. Did I say trivia again? Mm-hmm. Uh, which character would you least like to be trapped in an elevator with? Possessed Hazel. Possessed Hazel. Mm-hmm. Why? Do I really have to explain that? No. <laughs> she would eat me. She would like kill me. I. But you could you could convince her to to like help you out of the elevator. Like she could probably use her super demon strength to like rip a hole. Because it's possessed True. Hazel for the second time that we see her is like in control, like working in tandem with the demon. That's true. Um, I guess if I had to pick a non-possessed character, it would be Roger. Which one was Roger? The one who slept with her with the prostitute sister's uh, fiance. yeah okay which one would you most like to be locked in an elevator with none of them but i guess i'd go with the lawyer because he seemed like a nice guy yeah the lawyer was dope yeah. he he seemed very modeled after benicio del toro in uh fear and the loathing in las vegas mm-hmm. like the way that he looked and i mean he he wasn't stoned the entire time but like a lot of that like he, he the the movie felt very uh, California to me. Mm-hmm. A lot of the fashions and and everything, but he felt very New York. Like yeah, it's late. He's drinking whiskey. He's still in his his suit, and he's still got like the tie off. And he's like, "It's a good thing you came to me." Yeah. Let me let me take one more sip from my <laughs> highball, and I'll put it down. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Uh, which which is a character character cliche stereotype archetype that I love is is that like. Yes, it's very good. Like, he's not quite a mobster. Um, he doesn't act yeah. like a mobster, but he still has that, like, 1920s flavor. Mm-hmm. So, one more thing, I guess, that I just thought of now. So, this movie is, is interesting because it seems to mix a lot of time frames together. Like, it's very modern, but the movie feel or the music feels like 
fifties. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's that scene where the mother's like, "Have you still been smoking the marijuana? Mm-hmm. Have you been doing the? Have you been on the pot?" Um, which which is sort of like another like nineteen fifties thing. Did you kind of get that? Like this movie feels out of time, or or was it just sort of rolled in with the? Uh, this is like an alternate universe. Um, I didn't really feel like any of it was out of time. I think the only influence I got of that was the music, especially towards the end. It felt pretty like 1920s noir kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it didn't feel like it was like jumping eras or anything to me. Okay. All right. Where can people find the show if they want to find the show? Uh, you can find us on noisemakerjoe.com slash sharing everything. You can find us on iTunes or what are the other ones called? Any any place good podcasts Any place you can find a yeah. podcast, you can find us. Sure can. Also, what are you planning on showing me next week? Well, you're in for for something that has been a long time coming now, dear. Oh boy. I'm finally going to make you watch all the way through. Oh no. The notebook. Really? Yep. But we had a deal. Yeah. We had a deal. There there are no rules in in sharing everything. All right. Well, guys, if you want to know what the deal was, (laughs) you'll just have to tune in next week. Hey, if you want to email the show, you can do so at sharingeverythingshow at gmail.com. But until then, keep talking, keep loving, and keep sharing. Bye. Thank you.